Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out the One Man Podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have something that you want read on the show, send it to contact at onemanpodcast.com because if you send it, I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. What's up everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up guys? This is Paul Verzi and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 211, for Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? You having the best week ever? Welcome to my podcast. I realize that I have never really kind of introed what this is. Hmm? I mean, if you read the description, right, of the podcast, whatever your podcatcher is, you might see it, but I don't really intro it. So if anyone just pops in and hits play... They're like, what the hell is this thing? And you know what? I have an intro at the beginning that tells you where you can get it. And if you would please review it and how you can spoil all those things, not what the fuck is it? You know what I mean? What kind of movie would you watch? Well, I mean, again, they do have a write-up and I do have a write-up on mine, but uh, here we go. We're already off on a tangent. Listen, the one man podcast is me, Josh Williams telling you what's going on with my life. So whether you're a, uh, a fan of my stand-up comedy, uh, whether or not you're a friend or family member, just trying to, to, to get a little bit of insight as to what's going on with me, this podcast is me taking you through the week. So I date it because the, uh, <laughs> it gives you an idea of what the previous seven days were like in my life. So that's what it is. So I, if I tell you that something as simple as, Hey, I went to the doctor you know, you'd be like, okay, this motherfucker went to the doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's, it's going to be just, uh, you know, I went and I did this and I did that. I, there were some episodes in the past that were kind of like that. I, I would, I would live a week and then I would sit down and I would go, geez, can I remember all of the things that I did of note in the last week? Not really. I have ADD and, uh, you know, <laughs> can ramble on and, and often start a story, change courses because it reminds me of something else and forget to go back to the point that I started. But Hey, that too, in and of itself is going to give you a look into what it's like in my life and, and, and whatnot. So, um, that's what the one man podcast is. I am the one man, uh, of, of, uh, <laughs> of which it speaks. And, uh, and I tell you what's going on with me, right? So all the ones he's been around for a long time, you guys know what to expect. You know what you're going to get, but if you're brand new to the podcast, welcome, welcome. And so if I go off on a story about like, why is he talking about this waiting room? He was in, Hey, that was part of my week. I remember there was times where I would like, uh, I had to make notes at one point because to sit down and be like, shit, what did I do this week? Cause, uh, I'll tell you, there were some weeks where I had lots of comedy stuff going on and lots of interesting activations for the marketing companies that I worked for. And so it was like, my week was just so full of stuff and there's all sorts of little things. I'll remember it. And, and in those cases I did, but then there was weeks where I'm like, shit, I didn't do a lot. I mean, I, I went and saw a couple movies or I went and I, you know, I did this or I did that, but there's really not a lot of notes. So I would just write down my old note sheets used to say like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I would try to just, as the week went on, I would just write down you know, what I did that day to the point where 
<laughs> if I went to like Costco to get groceries, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, Tuesday I went to, I went to Costco, bought some groceries. Uh, you know, and those moments, I'll tell you, they were, they were dry. They were dry. They were not fun for anyone. It's like trying to put dry fingers in a dry vagina, not going to happen, or it's going to be forced and painful. Um, so yeah, that's, and that's also the kind of metaphors I'll use. I'm sure there's a lot of other metaphors or something, you know, a square peg in a, in a round hole. Yeah, that could have been, but what are we, what is this fucking polka dot door? All right. I assume you already know your shapes. All right. You were long since beyond that. Okay. So, uh, that's my podcast. All right. I want to tell you guys what's going on. And this week I'll be telling you guys about, uh, because it's pandemic, right? Uh, I, a lot of stay at home still. So I did watch some movies. I'll tell you about those ones. I, uh, I forgot to mention, and this is something that's a little round of applause sound effects. Uh, I will not find them and insert them in, but the, the one man podcast last week, I should have made note that it was the four year anniversary of this podcast. All right. Last week's episode would have hit, uh, amongst that time period. So how about that guys? Four years. Some of you onesies have been with me since the very beginning. And I, I'm very grateful for anyone who's doesn't matter how long you've been listening. I am, I am grateful that you are part of this family, uh, that, that you're, you're one of my, one of my peeps that you spend your time with me. I'd say an hour a week, but most of these podcasts are infinitely longer. Um, just because I never showed up, huh? So, uh, you'd think with like a list of nothing to talk about how I'm able to stretch it into two hours. Imagine if I actually had something to say what I could do with it, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been four years and, um, and I got to say that I'm having, uh, as much fun with it now as I ever have. I've noticed that as of late with the top five lists and things like that, people are excited. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for four years of, uh, of encouragement and, and listening. And, uh, despite, like I said, whatever point you jumped in at, thanks for being here. I'm glad you're a part of, uh, my week. I'm glad I'm a part of yours. Um, and yeah, let's keep, uh, boogieing on. So I will tell you guys about some of the movies that I watched. I have a new idea for a segment. I'm keeping the top five. I enjoy the top five. Um, gives me uh, really good content to start talking about, you know, things for myself and whatnot, but, um, very excited, uh, to keep doing that, but I got an idea for a new segment. I will tell you guys about that. Um, a couple little, just personal updates. I'll just throw them as throwaways. I'll tell you guys about those. Uh, I have recorded a few different episodes of, uh, podcasts and things like that. I'll tell you guys about that. Just some nice little things. I got an email to read. I did a, an activation, huh? First activation in a while. Um, and that's it. And then we'll get to the top fives. Bang, bang. We're all right out of here. Nice and uh, nice and good. I'll try to keep this one to as close to an hour as possible. Um, so just, I wanted to start off right away by just saying that, uh, I did, uh, uh, I had a nice little, nice little, uh, positive come my way this week. I went to, uh, Harvey's for those listening in America. It's just a, uh, you know, hamburger fast food joint. You know what I mean? Here in, uh, in Canada where I live. And, um, it was nice because I'm standing in line waiting for them. This is one of those places where they dress the burgers in front of you. What do you, what do you want? And I'll take a little bit of that, put a little bit of this, you know, it's like that subway lineup, right? Where you've got the stuff on the other side, my burger sitting there on the paper. Hey, hit that with another fucking pickle and, and lettuce there. So, um, I'm standing in line and the guy next to me, he was, I guess it's hard to say he was, uh, he wasn't like leaning over at me. He wasn't like staring at me, but I just, I don't know. It got that energy where it looked like he wanted to say something to me or whatever. And I was just, just kind of like, I didn't get it. So I'm just, yeah, I'll take this, this, that, that, that. Maybe he was waiting for me to finish saying what I wanted, but I just, I'm very, I'm very hypersensitive. So I'm aware of when people around me are doing things. I'm always watching the mannerisms and stuff. Anyways, um, he reaches out at one point, like, like reaches his hand at him. He's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I was trying to try 
picture where I remembered you from. Uh, he's like, uh, I've seen you at absolute comedy before you're, you're super hilarious, man. Like you, you had had me and my girlfriend in stitches and here's the thing. It's the pandemic guys. Comedy clubs have been closed for a long time and I'm, I'm in public wearing a mask. So you can't even tell, I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I'm large and I'm around. So physically I do stand out more than others, but he was just like, it was the voice, man. Like I could tell, I recognized your voice. He's like, dude, you are so funny. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Super kind. And I'd also been working the activation all day too. So I I wasn't looking my best, but I wasn't looking like shit either. I was like, oh man, that's so kind. Thank you so much. You know, he's like, yeah, we were really, you know, you were hosting and I'm never, I'm not trying to freaking build myself up here, but it was nice that probably it's been like a year and a half since I, you know, I think January was when I did my headline week. That was my last like week of shows at absolute comedy that I can remember. And, uh, that was, that was in January, 2020. So I'm like this guy, like a year and a half later, minimum still. And I was, I was headlining that week. So I'm trying to think of, he saw me hosting. That's why I brought that up. He's like, oh man, you're hosting. We were, we were, we were disappointed that you weren't up there longer. I'm like, ah, you know, that's the most people's complaint. No, (laughs) it was nice. So whatever it was, whenever it was that he'd seen me, I had made enough of an impression that just by my voice alone, he remembered it and was like, hey, and, and, and I am eternally grateful that instead of him just recognizing me like, oh, I saw that guy. It was funny. The fact that he took the time to like, come and tell me that he saw me and that he enjoyed everything like that. I love, and I couldn't be more grateful for, for that kind of thing. So it was a really nice feeling, um, to be out and about and to, to, you know, just to get that little, uh, Hey man, good job. It, I'll tell you this of all the other jobs I ever had, um, you know, working at, at future shop, uh, American listeners, it was basically Best Buy. It was even owned by Best Buy at one point. Uh, well, right up until they, they killed the brand, to be honest with you. Now it's, uh, now it's gone. They've, they've killed the brand. Future shop's gone, but I worked in the home theater department there. Um, I worked, uh, yeah, I worked in a ton, ton of different departments, but future shop, I worked for Telus, you know, doing telecom. I worked for Bell doing telecom, the source, uh, I was an electrician, I worked at Giant Tiger. The amount of people, Giant Tiger is a little like small grocery store brand. It's like if Kmart was like, you know, the size of a small little, you know, not a, not a bodega small, but I don't know. Like think of like the smallest Walmart, even they're huge. It's like Giant Tiger is like a Walmart, but, but in a very, in like, let's say a third the size, you know what I mean? Anyways. But I, I mean, I'd carry people's groceries. I would help them out. Like I was, I was good in every job. I, I was an electrician. I, I don't know if I just said that, but I was an electrician. I rewired people's homes. You know what I mean? Made it safe. Took old broken shit that was, you know, a, a insurance hazard or whatever and made it brand new. I have never in my life, never in my life, ah, part of the charm of this podcast and me slurping, um, never had someone go, Hey man, you were the guy that sold me and my family, our, our, our cell phones or, Hey, you know what? Actually, that's not true. Here's a story that I didn't think I was going to tell. It just popped in my head. Um, when I left Telus, um, I remember one of my colleagues called me like a couple weeks later and said that there was a girl that came in. Um, they're like, do you remember her? I'm like a girl that came in? No, not specifically. They're like, yeah, she brought you a card. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, she just came in to just want to bring you a card. Said you were very sweet. You were very helpful to her, you know? And it was just like, it was just, it was like, like, I don't, I don't remember the name. I don't, but it was like, but it was, yeah, from Emily, let's just say. And I was like, and it I came in and I got my card and I was like, that's sweet. 
That's really kind. I don't know if she was interested in me or not. Again, I've, I've told stories before. Like I, I would have had no idea if she was, but I remember being very disappointed that I didn't know who the person was because I would love to have been able to say thank you to them for taking the time to, you know, just say thank you. Like that, that, that what I did was memorable beyond the transaction itself. I had a few people that were like that come back and say hi and stuff, but I mean, I bumped into a guy whose house I rewired you know, like a, like a year later and he didn't even recognize me. I'm like, I was living in your, I was in, well, not living. I was in your house every day for a month rewiring it. And you don't remember me. You know what I mean? Like that's how unmemorable you might be. You know, people working in the trades are like, yeah, you're helping, you're building people's houses. You're giving da, 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 da. Like, like giving this sense of, of importance. See, here's how my podcasts go from being an hour long to two hours long. Start fucking telling stories and rambling. I, I, I'm not rambling. I, I feel like this is of interest or at least it's what's going through my head right now. But like, you know, people were telling me, oh, when you're, when you're an electrician, you know, you make a lot of money and you're making a difference. You're building homes and you're part of the, blah, blah. it's like, sure. Nobody gives a fuck. You know, when it comes to an electrician, all my work is, is a, there's no room for creativity. I've said this before. There's no room for creativity because everything is to code. You have to do it a certain way. Right? It's like saying sandwich artist. It's like, oh, you're an artist. Are you? Because they literally train you exactly how many cucumbers, exactly how many slices of tomato, exactly how much this and that go on each half. Like you you don't have any room for artistic creativity because they tell you exactly how to do it. It's so structured, there's no room for art. It's like, yeah, they may as well call me a wiring artist as an electrician because there's no room for creativity. And then what happens? I might even solve problems and, and it's like, oh, how are we gonna get through this? And I and I and I bust my butt and, 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 and create a solution where it was like, where everyone else was like shrugging. And I'm like, what if we did? They're like, oh my God. And it's just like, all right. And now slap drywall over it. Not to say that my work would look good, but no one will ever even see what I did. You know what I mean? And then again, you bump in them a year later, solve their problems to fix it. All, and it's just like, who are you? Sorry. And I'm like, oh, so I'd be like, oh, Hey, first and last name. I remembered you. And it's like, oh, uh, sorry. And I'm like, the electrician, went, oh, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Okay, well, have a nice day. Oh, groovy, groovy. So I will tell you that of all the jobs that I've ever done, uh, all the jobs I've worked, all the little the little old ladies who I've helped, the the bank when I worked at the Weston Hotel, all the people that I, I, you know, went the extra mile for, all of the different people whose, you know, cell phone service issues spent hours on the phone you know, dealing with my, my customer chain. I'm like, you know what? Don't worry. I'm not going to put you on the phone. I'll take care of this. All of that shit. Shy of that one person whom I will never, I don't remember them. It's not like you tell me their first and last name. You give me first and last name. It would have been more, but it's like, you give me a generic name. Like, Sarah. It's like, fuck. Do you know how many Sarah's I've helped in the four years that I've worked here? You know? And like, well, she said you helped her recently. And I'm just like, ah, you know, there's no, she didn't leave a last name. She didn't leave a, a phone number. Nothing. Anyways, it was just, it was nice, but I just wish that I could have been like, I wish I was able to say, Hey, thanks. I think a part of me at the time too, as I was single. So it would have been like, Oh, it'd be really like, which would have been completely, I guess, inappropriate too, to be like, Hey, thanks for this. But I, I remember, uh, I remember too, when I left Telus, one of the things I did was like, I had a customer reach out to me because I, I was the kind of guy, like I wasn't a sleazy sales guy. I would help you out. So if you left me your, you know, I, I would leave all of my clients, my personal cell phone number. So I'm like, listen, I'm not like, Hey, call the store. If you need anything, I'm like, I, I put you in this situation. I suggested this. You took my recommendation. Here's my number. You need anything you call or text me. I go, just please respect reasonable hours. So you know, and, and I don't think anyone ever didn't, 
But um, I remember one of my clients uh, had an issue like about, you know, a couple of weeks after I left Telus. And, uh, you know, and they called me and I said, unfortunately, I'm not there anymore, but I'll, I'll come and I'll meet you and I'll, I'll do what, what I, what I heard in the industry, you know, many kind of sales industry, but a friend of mine, Alex Montenegrino, I heard him refer to this one time and it stayed with me. This was way back in the future shop days was uh, like white glove service. We call it, you know what I mean? Where you're just, instead of being like a, like a cold transfer or like, Oh, Hey, you just uh, ask for this guy. He'll help you out. I like, I went to the store, drove from home to the store to meet my client and, and introduce them to the new sales rep. Um, go like, go through her with what it was she was looking for to, to do and, and fix and everything like that. And made sure that I worked with the rep. And I was like, so he's going to be your guy going forward. And I go, I'm so sorry that I, I'm not, but I, I, I hope this, and they were like, Oh my God, I can't believe you could have just told me to talk to him. Like you didn't have to. I was just like, I wanted to give that white glove service. It's like when it's, it's almost, you know, this is a very poor example of it, but it's like, you know, if you ask somebody, uh, an employee, like, Hey, where's the blah, blah, blah. And they point like, that's not white glove, but white glove, you know, Oh, Hey, let me, let me help you take you to the department, find an employee in that department, introduce you to them and say, they're looking for this and that, that are like, that's kind of like the, the nice, the white glove service where it's, you know, you don't feel like you've not been taken care of. You're not, you, you're basically transferred start to finish. You've got somebody with you helping you right to, to the get go. You're not left on your own at any point. So it's just a better, in my opinion, a better quality of service. It's better customer service. It's better relationship. It's better client relations. So yeah. All right. Whatever. Uh, I don't even know what the hell I was talking about that got me into that. Oh, it was somebody at a burger joint told me I was funny. That was what it is. All I'm saying is that I've never, I've had several people in public reach out and say, Hey, I saw you at the comedy club. You were really funny. Thank you so much. Da, 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 da. So despite the fact that it is the most volatile, inconsistent, uh, job that I've ever had. Um, I have never been so recognized and appreciated for it. So if those of you who've been listening for years have ever been like, why don't you just quit and do something different? Like you're funny. Sure. But like to get that stability, cause, because you guys hear it, you know, my onesies hear it. People who see me at shows, it's ha ha ha, great time. Hey, let's have a good, you know, have a great night. Thanks for coming guys. That's it. And it's just like, they know nothing about me. You guys hear the struggles, you hear the concerns, you hear the fears. So, and I know you care. So those of you who are like, why don't you just, you know, I, why don't you just do stand up on the side, maybe here and there, but just get like the, the government job or go get it, go get a, just a consistent thing. Go get something to give you some security. Well, if COVID's taught us anything, first off, no jobs have any security. And, uh, on top of that, it's just like, I, I, they're not fulfilling, you know, I would rather do what I'm doing now and, and have the odd person just be like, Hey, I appreciate you. Bill. You know what? I appreciate you too. All right. Whatever. That was a really long, I, I was literally going to be like, eh, some guy at Harvey's recognized me. Felt good. And, uh, and then I burned, what did I burn? Ha! A good, like a uh, good 12, 13 minutes on that. Oh, it's going to be another long one, guys. I have another podcast that I have to record. Um, I'm doing someone else's podcast. I, guys, I've recorded a lot of podcasts this week. Um, I, I hate to admit it, but this podcast is late. Um, trying not to, to be that way again. I, I was on board. I, a lots, a lots. In fact, I've already started to make next week's list and I've already got a bunch of stuff on it that I've already done that I will tell you about in the next episode, but staying focused on this one here. Um, yeah, so a lot, lots going on. I'll probably have to pause this, do the other podcast and then, and then come back to it. But, um, 
I did an impromptu spot on my friend's podcast. So, um, my buddy, uh, Lamont Ferguson in Los Angeles, excuse me, he, um, he did my podcast years ago and I've been going through, uh, one of the things I've been working on is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but again, you may have gotten a bunch of popped up new episodes that were interviews just sort of, you know, coming into your, your podcatcher. Like, why am I getting all these notifications that one man podcast has published new episodes? Well, uh, to fix the Spotify issues and things like that, I have to convert, um, I have to convert episodes and interview episodes into, uh, MP3s and then post them. Um, one of the things that, um, I do in the process of, of these new ones is I started adding like links and stuff. So when you guys are listening to a, a person that I'm interviewing, um, you might be like, oh, what's this guy? Like first off, you know, you, you can find their name or see what it is, but in the write-up, um, it shows I've, I've been adding, uh, their Instagram feed, if they have one or their Twitter, whatever they seem to be the most active on. Um, I will also, if they're talking about a podcast that maybe they have or, or some series that they've done or something like that. Like I try to link their content and stuff that you guys may be able to enjoy there. Like as an example, my buddy, Andy Hendrickson in Santa Monica, um, Andy on our interview talked a lot about him preparing for his David Letterman set. So, uh, in the, the, you know, the, the info of the episode, uh, if you click on it, you can actually see, you can follow him on Instagram. Cause Andy's got a lot of funny stuff on Instagram, but you can also, I've included the link to his David Letterman set. So, you know, not only can you hear him tell the story about getting ready for it and everything like that, but if you're, when you're, you know, when you're done the episode, open up the, uh, the info and click on the, the watch his Letterman set, you know? So I'm, I've been doing that, but, but as the process goes, I can't just convert the existing file. What I have to do is I have to, I'm using a separate app. I'm converting it from M4A or whatever it is to MP3. That's the only thing that, that Spotify and some of them will accept. So what happens is I have to upload the, the new file and I put all the details in and then I erase the old one. Um, so that's why you guys are getting these notifications. Like there's new episodes where it's just kind of an old one, but Hey, some of you may not have been around when those episodes were published. And so this is your opportunity like, okay, a, a fresh one. So you will get an influx of, of new episodes. I'm seeing an influx of the downloads of the episodes that I'm posting probably because they're just popping in automatically, but they're, they're good. Enjoy them. And, um, as a result of doing these, my buddy Lamont Ferguson in Los Angeles, I, um, I happen to see that he's doing a, a, like a Facebook live show with, uh, with another comic Lewis. And I apologize. I should have wrote it down. I, I can't remember his last name, but, but Lewis was, was awesome too. And Lamont and Lewis do the show called a good green room on Facebook. So I remember I was making my evening, uh, evening meal and, uh, I just came up. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and watch something while I eat. And I just, you know, noticed on Facebook that their, their thing was on. So I went ahead and I clicked on that and I watched for a few minutes, said a quick hello in the comments. And they were like, Hey, Josh is here. Let's get, uh, let's get Josh on the show. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Well I look like shit. So I'm like, throw a brush through my hair real quick and throw a, I don't remember if I wore a hat or not, but I'm like, Oh, it's always happens to me when someone's like, Hey, let's bring it in. And I'm totally not screen worthy. Like I had no expectation to be on, but they brought me on. I got to shoot the shit with my buddies and, uh, and it was really cool. It was really fun to just, again, talk comedy and be a comic for a couple of minutes. It was a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely say to you guys, check out a good green room on Facebook. Um, I think I tried to find a link for it or whatever, but I, I'm, I may have linked the page either way. Um, Lamont and Ferguson, great comic. Listen to the episode that he and I did together and check out a good green room on Facebook, something fun. Um, I have also recorded an episode of, uh, of the one man podcast, which will be coming out 
this Friday, as always, with the uh, editor, uh, sorry, deputy editor, uh, editor, the deputy editor of Rice Paper Magazine um, and the president of Dark Helix Press, uh, J.F. Gerard. Um, we, we finally did we, she was the one who was one of the editors of the, of the book belief that I recently reviewed in the podcast, uh, recorded that yesterday with her. So it's a fun episodes all over the place. Um, I'll leave that to you guys. It'll come out on Friday. So expect that. And, um, that was one of the, the, the podcasts that I recorded on, uh, on Wednesday and, uh, I edited, I've got it all edited and uh and ready to, to to launch for you guys so i'm recording this uh thursday in between two video uh things so that's like i did five and a half hours of podcasting yesterday i did another another comics podcast that i'll tell you about on next week's episode because that's kind of the timeline that it fits into but uh yeah did that and uh and i'll be i'm running my mouth now I'll be running my mouth some more in a bit running my mouth again afterwards uh so there's a lot to talk about and I'm trying not to, to put it all into this episode. Then I've got less to talk about next week, but, um, great, great times guys. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing, which is working on content as a, a content creator, comedian, podcaster, simpleton on the path to enlightenment slurp master zero. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's a thing too. I've gotten uh, a bunch of other things done in my life. I'm, I will tell you there's something I'm doing with Canada post <laughs> not working for them. I'm fighting with them, but I will tell you more about that when it's actually resolved. I will tell you the saga, um, of me versus Canada post, but since it's still, we're in the new week now and new events, that's uh, that's new week stuff. I got my, uh, I didn't even write this down. I got my all seasons on finally, which was nice and a recall done and fixed on my car. So I'm, I'm finally not wasting away my winters anymore. That was something I did. These are all just things that like, when I look back at my week and I go, man, I don't feel like I did a lot this week, but, but if you look at the individual tasks and how long they took and interactions and emailing and conversations and errands, it's like, fuck, no, I, I did a lot. I really did a lot. Um, it was like a death by a thousand cuts, right? Like a bunch of 15, 20 minute tasks that when you look back at the day, like, what the fuck did I do today? You know? Like I said, for terms of a podcast, not super entertaining content, but those of you who are with me every week and I'm like, well, what did I do this week? I did two things. They're like, well, and that's it. You sat around with your thumb up your ass. No, <laughs> I did other things, but they're just not super interesting. Like for example, um, myself, I, uh, I had someone reach out to me and say, Hey, like, you know, elections, Ontario is going to be hiring again, which are great gigs, by the way, if you're like me and you're kind of like a gig person where you work, you know, whether it's stand up or marketing or whatever you do, uh, you know, you can, you can take a gig for, you know, three months working for the elections is great. I've done these ones where you work like day of an election where you're just, you know, working at a poll and counting votes at the end of the day, or you're, you know, I've done area manager stuff. I've done like, it's really cool because it's basically you go in, they train you to the job and you're like, you're going to do that on this day. Done. You know, get paid somewhere like 20 plus dollars an hour, which is unbelievable for like something that requires little to no experience. And then during the last federal election, I worked as a revisions agent. So this was one where they're like, when they called me, I thought they were asking me to do like a elections day of job. They're like, do you want to come work for elections Canada? I was like, yeah. And then they, but then they were like, oh, but you're going to be working like for like three, are you free for like the next three months, Monday to Friday, nine to five for I was like, yeah, I'm a comic day, day job. Doesn't interfere with the evenings comedy. Yeah, of course I'm available. Um, so I did, I did that. And now, uh, elections Ontario 
I guess they're just starting now to hire for uh, next year, this time to work in the offices and stuff like that. So uh, I applied for a pretty, pretty high up job. Um, I'm very lucky because my good buddy, Jeff McKay is kind of the guy in charge of the entire city. Currently he's the, the, the regional liaisons officer, I believe is the, the title. So like there isn't anybody higher in Ottawa in terms of this, this office than him at the moment. Um, so I was soon someone suggested this, I got a hold of him cause I know he worked for elections too, but pretty high up. And I was like, Hey, so where he's like, yeah, now I'm in charge of everything. I'm like, Oh fuck. So he had suggested what roles I should apply for and told me how good the money is. Um, you know, this one is far enough out that I don't feel like I'll jinx it. I'm going to knock on wood here, but I feel, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 37 50 an hour. And the, my job would consist predominantly of like driving to locations to get, you know, uh, venues to sign contracts, to be able to be like a polling station, uh, you know, election day. So I'm just like, Hey, make sure you sign this contract saying that you'll be here, that, that will be open from this time to this time that there'll be this many chairs, whatever and the contract's already written. I don't even have to write the contracts. That's what I, I asked Jeff. I'm like, did I, do I have to write the contracts? And he's like, no contracts are already sent from head office. You just got to drive there and get them to sign. And I'm like, Oh, a job where I'm driving around. I had no problem with that. I've done that so many different times, so many different ways. You know, he's like, it's more of like a networking. I'm like done 37 50. And I'm not the guy in charge. I'm basically like the vice president of a section. Now I haven't got it yet. I've applied for it, but he's like, dude, you're bilingual. You've worked elections before. There's no reason why they shouldn't make you one. I was like, fucking a and Jeff has an episode with me too. in the one man podcast, Jeff McKay, my buddy, fellow comedian, Right. So a lot of comics work these gigs because it's kind of like, Oh, three months worth of work. And you know, and then back to nothing. Right. Anyone who's looking for a career is like, Hey, can you work full-time hours? That's something that's just going to end in three months. Most people are like, no, I have a job. I can't do that. Right. I'm as a person. I've been a contributor for much longer than you have fair. I can. So <laughs> the only thing is you keep for, you forget that like, okay, I'm going to be working with a lot of other people that also have this availability that aren't artists or comedians. And you're like, oh, they're retired government employees. So you're working with like 70 year olds that don't know what copy and pasting mean or what an address bar is. I, I swear to God, when I worked it for the federal election, no word of a lie, hand to God, I had to explain to people, people who were like, I've worked, I worked for 30 years in foreign affairs, things like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, okay. They're like, how do you do that thing here? I go, okay, well, right click on that. And they're like, they look at me. They're like, what? I'm like, right click on it. They're like, what does that mean? I go, you worked 30 years in forward airs. You don't know what right clicking is. I had to explain what right clicking was, what copy and pasting was, and what an address bar was. Like, you know, at the top of a browser, go to the address bar, type in, what's the address bar? I go, no wonder, no wonder the fucking governments are all in shit. You got people who are like, I work in foreign affairs. What's an address bar? Oh, God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I switched that one around again. I got a nice Ugandan roast in my cup, in my, in my one man podcast mug. Um, so yeah, so I, I applied to the, uh, elections Ontario job. I hope I get that. Um, there'll be stuff that starts here and there in the meantime, scouting and whatnot, but I hope I get it. It would be great to make 37, 50 an hour, 40 hours a week for three months straight. That would, that would put me back in the, in the green, as they say, or in the black, let's say in the black, the green is, uh, is very good. Black is just, Hey, we're not in the red. You don't want to be in the red. Jesus. Okay. Um, what else did you do, Josh? Well, I finally scheduled my COVID shot. Uh, how about that? I got a little invite code that I probably should have checked too. I'll do that tomorrow. 
the guy on the phone was like, hey, you can also check this code. And if some, there's a cancellation day of, you can sometimes get in the same day or whatever. So I was like, oh, groovy, groovy. But as it stands, June 17th at uh, one o'clock or so. Yeah, one thirty, June 17th. Your boy uh, will be getting poked. Poked with the old COVID needle. Um, or COVID prevention needle. Uh, I will, I will be getting Pfizer or Moderna. All right. No, no AstraZeneca for me. No Janssen and Janssen. It'd be Pfizer or Moderna. Send in, uh, send in your thoughts. Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Tell me what you think of the two, which one is better. Just of those two. I don't, well, whatever. Send me whatever you want. You guys know the, the, the deal. You send it. I read it. But. But in terms of what I'm interested in, if you want to do it based on my interest, I would love to know if I, if they'll let me choose between the two, do I want Moderna or do I want Pfizer? My, my gut tells me Moderna because I just hate Pfizer. I know what they are. I don't like pharmaceutical companies in general, but, but, uh, I feel like I want Moderna, but I feel like I'm going to get Pfizer. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. Contact at one man Um, what else gang? What else? You know what? I did an SAQ activation. Right. What's an SAQ, Josh? Well, it is the something as something Quebec, something alcohol, Quebec, Société d'Alcohol, the Society of Alcohol, Quebec. Anyways, it's the the Quebec version of the LCBO, right? So it's like government owned. They, they do all of the sales of alcohol for the entire province. Um, and my activation, I was originally an on call and then somebody bailed on the rest of the weekend. So they brought me in, uh, gave me like a day's notice or whatever. And so all the gig was, was basically I'd be in a tent, a uh, little pop tent outside of the SAQ. If you were to buy a bottle of Canadian club whiskey, then you get a free little gift bag, con- uh, you know, consisting of, of a glass and a couple of mixers. You get a can of club soda, a can of ginger ale. The ginger ale ran out almost immediately. So it was basically just for the, the vast majority of the two days was, um, a can of a couple cans of club soda and a, and a glass. That's it. It's just your free, your free average swag. You get in a liquor store. When you buy this, you get that. Um, the first day was crazy. This was over in Quebec and they were saying that like cops were guarding the bridges and you weren't gonna be allowed over. I drove over. There wasn't a single person there. It was easy peasy. Uh, the day was windy. And I mean like windy. I've, I've, I've had, there's been days where there's tornado warnings where the wind was really bad. This was trying to set up a tent in a windstorm. It was unbelievable when I like, like there was a video bar. So basically it's a tent. There's a pop-up uh, banner. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, but it's basically just a standing banner. That wasn't happening. I tried to put up wind grab that was, was pulling it across the concrete on the ground. I was like, okay, this can't stay up. I had to drop it down. The tent kept getting grabbed and sliding. So I, I we had weights and everything for it still sliding the tent around. Um, we had a video bar. So basically it was like a bar with a TV built into the front of it to just have a, a demo, you know, video playing. Um, I remember at one point I'm holding the back of the pop-up when I was still struggling with that. And I've got my hand reached up. I'm holding the, the frame of the tent. And then the video bar starts to roll in the wind. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't hold everything and run an activation. So drop the pop pop up down. Um, I remember too that like the, almost the whole day I had one hand up holding the tent in place. And the, the, the thing too is with the gift bags, they had like white and blue tissue paper. So it's like, Hey, put this in the gift bag. So I'm basically building these gift bags as well as holding the tent and trying to talk to people. But the tissue paper, right? Like it was like, it was impossible. I'm trying to like lay this flat so that I can, you know, put it in the bag properly. And it's just like, it's wrapped around my fist, like saran wrap. 
what I mean? Because the wind is so, so strong. It's just like, it was, it was nuts. So the first day was a nightmare, just trying to do my job. And it's also the first time in a long time that I've just been standing for like six hours, you know, uh, also speaking French. So there's a little bit of terminology I don't have. I'm bilingual, but sometimes when you're doing something like, you know, industry specific, there's words you don't know. And French, I'm speaking quickly right now. Um, but, but French people also speak or people who are French, right? Don't see the disability first. See the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, that was a joke. Cancel culture. Um, the thing was they speak very quickly. And when they're speaking quickly, that you, it's very difficult to understand them. A lot of slang. I, uh, I don't mean to be, uh, you know, disrespectful or, or degrading, but a lot of people have said that like Gatineau area French is kind of, I don't want to say like hillbilly, but it's definitely like, you know, like the way there's parts of the States where they speak with slang and drawls and accents that are discernible at times, you know, undiscernible at times. Um, Gatineau French can be like that. A lot of like, and you're like, what? Again, someone might be like, oh, you're, you're, you're grading. I'm not trying to, but. French is a language, c'est tellement articulate, uh, tu peux parler en français, uh, comprendre les mots, c'est tellement bon, on parle lentement, et puis je peux comprendre tous les syllabes. Uh, if you speak French, you know what I said, otherwise I'm just saying it's, it's a language is very articulate, you could speak it slowly, understand all the syllables, like, but when you're like, and I'm like, I, I need to hear the word to understand it. And that was... Not a shortcoming on their part. It's just that I am a little out of practice with my French. And if you're speaking quickly and, and kind of, kind of mumbly also behind a mask makes it difficult because it's partially muffled anyways. Um, it was really hard on me and I had a situation that, um, you know, like everyone was very patient with me a few times, you know, we'd be, we'd be chatting and then someone, you know, um, would, would speak English. And I was like, okay, is it that obvious? But then sometimes they, they were just English speaking and they, they were like, Oh, do you speak English too? I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, can we speak English? I'm like, Oh, thank God for the love of God. Yes. Um, but I had this one, I had this one thing that happened and I feel bad. Um, there was an older gentleman, a senior citizen who came up to talk to me and, and as seniors are very guilty of at times, they had no idea that the this is not like a conversation booth. You know what I mean? Like I, I do have to to talk to other people. I do have to, you know, answer questions and stuff. And this gentleman just stood there and I couldn't understand everything he was saying, but he was talking to me about how he doesn't drive anymore. Uh, how he would get a ticket if he would drive drunk. This is what I was understanding. I couldn't understand everything he was saying. Um, he was saying stories about how, you know, he's trying to lose weight. Um, and then, and then I, I, I heard him say that, that he's just repelled you means I'm lost. And I, and I believe what he was saying was that he, he lost his wife, you know, in the last year and he's been lost ever since without her, doesn't know what to do and why he's just living. And then, then he started to say that, that he's got cancer and he's got cancer in three or four different places and they're not going to operate because it's too risky. And I'm just standing there like, and I was like, Oh, Jim, excuse. I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I very empathetic, but it's hard when you don't understand what the person's saying. 
You know what I mean? I knew the words. That's the thing. Blah, 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 cancer, blah, 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 perdu, blah, 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 ma femme est partie, my, my wife is gone. And like, like, oh God, like, I don't, I wish I understood because I could empathize better if I understood exactly what you were saying. But at first I was like, I don't understand. Like you're drinking and dry. Like I, I think that, that, um, I've talked about this before with like my mother, my mother will stand and talk to a cashier and will not pick up on the body language signs of somebody that's like, it's not fair to take a captive audience. You know what I mean? And I'm probably, I might be using that word wrong, but, but I'm like, I can't go anywhere. I have to stand here. I have no choice. So I don't mind slight pleasantries, but like, I don't, I, I'm like, even my responses are getting less and less because I didn't know what to say because I wasn't even sure I'd understood exactly what he was telling me, but I'm like, I'm not really giving you a lot to work with, dude. Like, isn't it obvious that, that the, the interaction went from us both talking to like, you know, I tell my mom that I'm like, mom, do you watch the body language? They go from like full sentence responses to one word responses to noise responses. You know, when you're talking to someone like, yeah, it's a nice day. Oh yeah, it is great. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's been beautiful. I've been driving around all day, been getting my errands done. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like I had to go to the store earlier today and they was a big lineup at that store, you know? And I mean, I was wondering like, you know, been here 20 minutes. Like when is going to, when is this line? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then just in line and there was, there must've been like 20 people. Like I didn't know if they were having a sale or something. Maybe there was some sort of thing going on here, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 And I just figured, you know, that's fine. It's a long day. I got plenty of chores to do. Been working in my yard this morning. I figured, you know what? I'll take a break. And it's like, do you not hear them lessening their responses? They're now they're not making eye contact anymore. They're kind of looking away. Like they're doing the most polite version of like, I, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, that whole, like, you know, uh, I, my friend Tina in Finland says, don't ask a Finnish person how they're doing. Because if you ask, they'll tell you <laughs> like, it's not, it's not part of like a, it's not a formality there. It's like, if you say, Hey, how are you? The, they will tell you. She's like, do not ask a finished person. How are you, how you doing? They will tell you. Well, that's like any fucking conversation with a senior. Hey, hey, how are you today? Oh, fuck. I was waiting for someone to ask there. Boy, I woke up this morning. Kettle took longer than normal for my fucking oatmeal there. I tell they probably don't swear. But, oh, the oatmeal there. And I tell you, you know, I guess I got to have the oatmeal now. You know, my doctor says you can't have, can't have a full orange anymore, right? Full orange, too much sugar and citrus is bad for my acid reflux there, right? So I got to have the, the oatmeal, I have the oatmeal. I don't like oatmeal anyway, you know what I mean? But my doctor says I got to have it, right? Because I can't have a banana. You know, I got to have half a banana, you know, he says that's a lot of, you know, they need the potassium, but it's uh, too much to have a full banana. So sometimes I'll have the banana. You know, what I like to do is I like to cut the banana up in the oatmeal. I find it gives a little bit of flavor there or whatever. And I have that with my coffee, but I can't have too much coffee anymore. You guys used to carry a coffee I like. It's not here anymore. I don't know what it's called. Anyways, I, like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, fuck you. Lo love you. And I'm sorry that you've got no one to talk to. Maybe take a creative writing course so that your stories are a little more fucking interesting. <laughs> who the fuck am I to say this to? All right. Those of you who are rolling your eyes going, Josh, your stories don't go anywhere either. Fine. Fine. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, wait, we hate in others that which we see in ourselves. I will go as far as to say that that is not accurate. Uh, that statement is, but I, I, that is not accurate. I am able to tell a story with a little bit of interest. But then again, I'm telling you guys stuff in my week that I personally at the time could give a fuck about. 
too, right? So, I mean, again, this was something I was literally going to blow through 42 fucking minutes in this podcast already. And that's not including all the intro stuff that I put in. So, yeah, I I, I feel like it's unfair for seniors to, to hold some prisoners because you can't be like, sir, sir, can you get the fuck out of here? You're killing me. You're literally killing me. I think, <laughs> can you imagine if that's where gray hairs came from? You got a gray hair on your head for every story you had to listen politely to. That's all. I just, I think that like, there's nothing wrong with pleasantries, but, but holding someone hostage who has no choice. It's like, to me, it's like the same as screaming at a customer service representative. When you're acting like a prick and and they can't, like they're at work, they can't turn around and, and call your names back. When you're insulting, I'm not talking about being frustrated and professionally, you know, saying, well, I'm sorry, that's not, that's unacceptable. We have to find a better solution. Like not taking no for an answer or, or but versus like being an asshole, being condescending, being rude, being, ins, you know, insulting to someone who's stuck at work. They can't just walk away. They have no choice. Right. So when you're that per that's that to me, that's, that's just the same as forcing someone to be polite, to listen to your shit when, when they have no choice, but to, you know what I mean? Again, I, I feel for the seniors who are like today could be my last day. And, and, and I, I would have so much regret if I died today without telling them the oatmeal story. Fine. But go, you know, I don't know. Can't you guys have, the seniors have taken over Facebook. Can't you guys make a group? And you could start a Facebook live video and all of you can sit, sit there. Oh, fuck. That would kill. That would be a hilarious sketch. Just six different windows. Everyone, hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. I can't hear you. Hello. And it's just they've muted their speakers. So they can't hear everyone else. Everyone's like, shut up. <laughs> I can't hear. Can you guys see me? Where are my glasses? And they're sitting on their forehead. Hello. Hello. Or, or what they could do is they could just mute their speaker and they could all just, so they can't hear anything, but their, their things are, and they all just, they all just tell their stories and they don't even recognize the fact that they're all talking at the same time. They're all telling their stories. No one cares. They just feel in the sense of community. I wonder if that's what those old mall walking groups would do when they're all sitting outside like an A&W or, you know, I, I don't know the American equivalent would be where the old people congregate at like five o'clock in the morning mcdonald's right drinking their their six free refills they all sit there with the newspaper and just talk to each other another thing yeah they all you know it's funny it's like my mother she'll tell the same story like every day they they probably get back together every day and tell the same stories because they all forgot that they told them the day before you know i used to i used to joke that like the seniors the war the place where they bother me the most why am i always bitching about old people because i'm never going to make it to that age i know my heart will explode long before that but <laughs> I think uh, the one that bothered me the most is when they're in the bank and they're just talking to the teller. You know, my granddaughter just got accepted into Concordia. She's going to be a doctor. I know I'm so proud of her. She used to have this little pink dress that she'd wear. And I'd say, you know, one day you're going to make a fine president, even though you're Canadian and it's impossible. You know, I just am so proud of her. You know, I remember this one time. She's like, Fuck out of the way. You are talking to the one teller that's active for some reason between 12 to one, when everyone's on lunch, everyone's doing their banking. There's one teller here for some fucking reason. Why is there nine wickets and one person and you're telling them stories and they can't tell you to fuck off. And I don't know why I don't feel like I can. I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I am mad at you, but you don't know. I'm not mad at you because you don't know. 
but it's just like, but like where, at what age does self-awareness just fucking fizzle away? You know what I mean? Again, like I don't mind pleasantries. I don't mind like little pleasantry. You're tucking your money away while you're telling your thing. Fine. But get moving and just stand there and let me tell you the fucking old guys and their jokes. They tell you the same joke every time they see you. <laughs> I'm like, fuck's sakes. You're learning how to use the internet. Google some new fucking, like there's dad jokes and then there's goddamn granddad jokes. The ones where just, <laughs> like even the working hard, hardly working is too fresh for some of the bullshit that these guys are saying. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know. I think... Those jokes are the ones that my brain deletes when I go to sleep. It's like, what's all the stuff from the day that's not necessary? Delete, 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 delete. Every joke an old person tells me, delete, delete, delete. Unless it's like insanely perverse and inappropriate, in which case, yeah, come talk to me. I want to talk to that fucking guy. You know, the one who's the one who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm still up here. I love pissing people off. I love the ones who are like, yeah, you can just drop your pants in the middle of public and everyone's like, oh, he's just old. I love watching people's reactions. That, that would be the best YouTube TikTok content for me would be the old guy who's still self-aware, but he's like, you know, this young kids will go out in public and act stupid because it's awkward. I would love the old guy who's just like, you know, Hey, today I'm going to go drop my pants in the middle of a Walmart and just see what happens. Walk in the middle of the, drop his pants, have like the biggest pair of depends on, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, just that, just the old guy with the confidence be like, you know? And then he posts a video. He was like, can't believe it. Did you hear what they said to me? They, oh, sir, are you okay? Anyways. All right. Let's move on from this. The point is I was having a very uncomfortable conversation while trying to work in the middle of a fucking hurricane, but I'm glad that's over. I did that for two days and, uh, over money, uh, a little bit of money in my pocket for working. And, uh, you know, the world keeps on a turning. What time are we here? All right. So I got some time. All right. Why don't I'm going to, uh, before I, I bang at the top five list, I'll, uh, I got one, one more thing to tell you guys about, right? Some of the movies that I watched. Okay. That's what we're going to do. I'll tell you about the movies that we watched. We, um, and, uh, and then I've got a new, new segment, uh, you know, movie television content related because with the lockdown and everything like that, you know, I'm, I'm stuck watching stuff. I may as well watch something that you guys, you know, would like or whatever. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that. Another little coffee slurp here. Mmm. Ugandan. It's weird. It's got like. It's not like a nutty taste. It's like, it's almost like a woody taste. There's bitterness because it's black coffee. Still doing the fasting, by the way. Still being a good bitch. Mm. Right now I'm drinking black coffee and bubbly because neither have any calories. And in, uh, I'm allowed to eat in 25 minutes. Uh, however, in 25 minutes, I start another podcast, which is only like half an hour long. And then, oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna go make some eggs. I bought, uh, I didn't buy great. I didn't buy bad stuff, but I didn't buy great stuff. I bought, uh, this like, this like different flavored Havarti's were on sale. So I'm going to go make some like egg sandwiches, uh, not, not, uh, egg salad, but I'm going to go fry. I've been doing this thing. I got a Vitamix and, uh, it's a blender. And I, I basically, I stuff like a big handful of spinach in, uh, I do an egg and then egg whites, um, little, little couple dashes of hot sauce just for a little kick, salt and pepper and blend the shit out of that. And I ended up making these like green egg omelets. It's basically just scrambled eggs, but they're just filled with spinach. And, uh, but it's like, it's, it's all completely pureed into like one texture. Right. So I make that up and then I got these really cool little kind of like bagel buns. So like Montreal style bagel buns. So throw them in the toaster, put a little bit of egg on that. I'm going to throw a piece of this Havarti on there with like it's got like, I probably don't have to do the hot sauce because the cheese has got like, one of them's got like habanero. The other one's got like ghost peppers or whatever. 
So I'm just going to make a couple little egg sandwiches. I'm finding that I'm eating like when I break the fast, I eat a, a reasonable amount of food and then I don't eat anything for the rest of the day. Sometimes I'll, I'll have a little something before that seven o'clock part hits. Um, sorry guys. I had to bang this out right after, uh, one thing today. So I didn't get a chance to jump on the scale to find out exactly what I'm weighing, but I have noticed that I'm back to like 312, even though I'm not like eating excessively or anything like that. For some reason, I just, the numbers aren't going down. Um, it's not discouraging me. Um, I'm just going to have to like, I, I'm trying to watch about lowering calories and I'm, I'm going to be talking to my doctor, um, next week, uh, or this week, I should say later in the week about, uh, doing like a seven day fast. So we're just like water, bone broth, you know, tea, coffee, that stuff, just to, just to see if I can do it. I've never, I've never gone seven days without eating. Um, and I want to make sure that like, I kind of cover my bases and like, what should I look for? Uh, the longer I do this, the less like absolutely starving I get. So like right now I'm kind of like the longest since eating food, right? Since, since, um, I stopped at eight o'clock last night because it took me an hour to boil water for corn on the cob. But, um, anyways, I, uh, yeah, still going full steam. I want to do that. That's something I'm going to get done. I will tell you guys about that as I'm doing it. You know, I I'm thinking if I do the week long fast, I'm going to like start it, um, after the the podcast. So I'm going to like kind of record podcast, be like, okay guys. And starting at the end of the podcast, the fucking clock starts and, and we're fasting for a week. And then the next episode, I will tell you if I made it or I'll record that episode and then eat afterwards. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my doctor first and see if this is, however, getting back to the last thing that we're talking about here prior to uh, the break. And I do my other one is. Um, I watched some more movies and shows. So let's just bang these out real quick. Okay. Uh, some of them I've seen before, uh, and watched again, some of them not. So, um, I watched, let's do it with the ones that I've seen before. Okay. Um, I love you, Beth Cooper. I saw that one. I saw that movie in theaters, uh, not because I was like, wow, this looks great. But because I was in, I think I was in Toronto and I was killing, killing time before a show, right? Like sometimes when you're there for a week and you've got nothing to do all day, you go see a movie. And I think this was one of those times where I like, I had seen everything else in the movies that I wanted to see. So I was like, okay, it's a comedy, whatever. Fuck it. I'll go see it. I'm pleasantly surprised. It's not a, a phenomenal movie, but it's great. It stars some actor whose name I don't know who played, uh, basically I, I saw him in this. He played like, just as like, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was a cameo cause he wasn't that well known, but he played the, a guy with no lines in, in glorious bastards. He played one of the bastards, um, in the scene where Aldo rain, Brad Pitt has them all lined up and is talking to them. Also BJ Novak is in that movie too, from the office. He played one of the bastards too, but, um, Anyways, it's just, a, it's a, it's a movie about the nerd in high school who loves the cheerleader. And then of course, a wacky night of events where he ends up hooking up with her or whatever. Um, so that's, that's, I love you, Beth Cooper. I think I watched that one on, uh, on Disney plus under the star section, I believe, but uh, you know, what's really cool about Apple TV. That's what I use. That's my, my, my smart hub is Apple TV. You can just talk into the remote. I know a lot of things you can do this one, but if you do it from the main screen, if you type in like the name of a movie, it'll like direct you to the app that has it. Not always. Sometimes like if it can't find it easily, like it'll direct you to the, the, the rental, whatever, but it's a good first attempt. If you're like, fuck, I've got like so many different streaming services. Like right now I'm currently rocking, um, Netflix. Uh, I don't know why I listed YouTube here. Who doesn't have YouTube, but Netflix, um, Disney plus crave TV, which has the HBO max. Also Disney plus has stars. I've got prime video and an app that, uh, crystal told me about called Tubi, 
T-U-B-I, uh, which is like free movies. And like, like even reading the thing, it's like, it's totally legal. It's just not, it's got free movies on it. Like, and there's a quite a bit on there. So Tubi, T-U-B-I, if you don't have that already, fucking add that to your, your list guys. It's free. No, no credit card, no nothing. Just you sign up and that's it. So, um, definitely an, an added source of, uh, of some stuff. It's almost reminds me of like original Netflix in the sense that it's got a lot of older stuff, but there are some newer things on it as well. So Tubi, T-U-B-I, there you go. Another free streaming service for, for you guys. I don't know if it's available, um, on every platform. Like if you, if you use a PlayStation as your smart hub, like, I don't know if you'll have access to it. Um, if you're using your, your TV smart hub, like if you have a Samsung or an LG or whatever, whatever the smart hub on the TV, like we all know that not every app is available everywhere, but, but it's worth a shot. You can watch it on your computer. So if you've got a computer that you can, you know, Chromecast or airplay to your television, that's an option too. But, um, yeah. So I also watched, I just want to throw this out there. I watched, um, Austin powers one and two, not back to back. In fact, I think I put the second one on. It's one of those things where like, I woke up in the middle of the night and I need something to go on in the back. So I just pull it up. I'm like, oh, Austin powers, spy who shagged me. Cool. Throw it on. Um, and then a couple of days, you know, I, I fell asleep, you know, first 20 minutes or whatever. And then the other day I, I put on like, Oh, the first Austin powers, that was, that was the one that started it all throw that one on. Um, they really don't hold up in my opinion. I, I, I really enjoyed those movies when they came out. They don't hold up at all. I didn't even bother putting gold member on because that one I, I didn't like at the time. And so the idea that, you know, it's a shame because I like Mike Myers, Wayne's world, Wayne's world still holds up for me and even Wayne's world too. But, um, fuck those Austin powers movies. And there's three of them. That's the funny thing. They got more than Wayne's world. Um, it would be great if they did another Wayne's world, but, but who knows if those guys are just out of touch with everything. I've, I've seen Dana Carvey on stuff who played Garth, just in case you need the, the, the boost. But, um, fucking Dana Carvey seems like he seems oddly Robin Williams esque. Like I liked Robin Williams. I liked him as an actor and I liked him as a comic, but sometimes you just see him in like a regular interview or doing something on TV. And it's just, his energy was sometimes a little crazy and manic. You're just like, Holy fuck, dude, can you just do like one, one or two sentences together without going off into a character? You know? Anyways, yes. Oh my God. It was over here. And we're back. It's like, okay, okay. Like what the fuck dude? Like, I don't know. Just too on all the time. Well, Dana Carvey is almost like, it, it seems like I'm watching him on different shows. It's almost like he's channeling that Robin Williams. Like he can't even answer something without throwing a, a, a joke or an impression or something in like, dude, just calm the fuck down. I don't know. Why, why are you angry, Josh? I don't know. It's just, I, I like the dude. I want, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I want to hear what the person, sorry, I had to scratch my neck and turn my face. Isn't that funny how you just turn three inches to one side and all of a sudden you're not, you're not on the mic anymore. Um, sometimes I just want to hear what these guys have to say, like as the person, you know, like it's not a sketch. It's not a, it's not a stand up show. Just, can you just be a person? You know, it's exhausting. I've, I've been at tables where there's, you know, after a show where there's, you know, comics are just talking and one guy's just still just trying to not, not be funny. Like literally is still on. You know, I heard a story one time where there was like a guy at a table. It's just like that. Oh, this guy, he was still going to the, and the other comic table said, Hey, comedian, turn it off or I'll turn it off. <laughs> so anyways, um, there was a show, uh, on Disney plus, I know it's on Disney plus, uh, it's called dinosaurs and it is now 30 years old. It came out in 91 and it was the last project that Jim Henson right. So of, of, you know. Kermit the frog, Jim Henson did the voice of Kermit the frog, by the way, some people don't know that, but Jim Henson did, uh, did the Muppets, right? 
uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Jim Henson was responsible for uh, the, the the puppets and things in Labyrinth and in The Dark Crystal. And um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. There's lots, but but he worked on a lot of different projects, a lot of puppeteering, which is kind of like almost like a lost art form. Uh, Sesame Street, I believe, is is no, I don't think that's Jim Henson. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I really don't think actually it's that it's Jim Henson, but. Um, a lot of like the, the puppeteering is kind of like a lost, uh, art form, you know, they don't really do it as much. Sesame street does it, but like movies were puppets and, and like body suits and things like that for, for different creatures is, is kind of gone. I know they tried to revive the dark crystal. I watched an episode. I really didn't like it. Um, which is disappointing, but, um, but the Muppets, right. That's the, that's the biggest Jim Henson thing there is, is, is the Muppets. And they were, they were great. And he was the voice of, uh, Kermit the frog, uh, Miss Piggy was voiced by Frank Oz, who has done lots of voices and, uh, and is also for the record, Frank Oz is also the voice of Yoda in the original star Wars movies, probably in the newer ones too. But, um, those, uh, those, those, you know, like another famous one is Kevin clash, except he's not with the Jim Henson. He was not, he was the baby Sinclair on dinosaurs that I'm talking about. Um, but he's also the voice of Elmo or was the voice of Elmo. Um, so that's, uh, that's a really cool, uh, I don't know. I, I like the Jim Henson stuff. So dinosaurs was the last thing he was working on before he died. So he died prior to its launch. Um, dinosaurs is such a great show guys. Um, it's like a, it's like a honeymooners, not honeymooners cause they had kids, but you know, it's like Fred Flintstone, the Flintstones, like your standard sitcom family guy, whatever. Um, with dinosaurs. So prehistoric, you know, and how they live their lives day to day in the houses and stuff like that. It's a great show. They tackle social issues and things like that, but it was funny for both kids and adults. It still holds up so strong. I watched just one episode the other day with Simon who had never seen it. And it was just like this, this show is so great. It's on Disney plus. Thank God that that new generations will be able to see it. The way people consume friends and other shows that have long since gone off the air. This show definitely deserves uh, a few episodes. It's called, Di- just called Dinosaurs. Uh, and it's, it's by Jim Henson. You'll recognize it immediately, but what a great show. And the end, like even the special effects and everything hold up. It's such a great show. Uh, the, the mother Fran was voiced by uh, who I just learned recently passed away. Uh, Jessica Walter. She uh, was the mother in arrested development. Um, and she was the, uh, the mother in Archer. So very recognizable voice actress and actress. So she was able to do it all. She's phenomenal, phenomenal. So, um, yeah, watch that. What the fuck time is it? 47. All right. I gotta get my ass in gear. I gotta get eight more minutes. Let's bang through this list here, guys. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pause so we can get to the top five. Okay. Um, now we're, oh, sorry. One more that I've seen, one more that I've seen prior that, uh, that I'll tell you about Fright Night, not the original Fright Night. This was the Fright Night that was uh, with Colin Farrell playing the uh, the vampire and Anton Yeltsin playing the the boy, the young feller who was suspicious of his neighbor. Um, good movie. Takes place in Vegas, right? Great city where people work all night, sleep all day. Um, it has uh, Christoph something Platts, Mince Platts or whatever. The guy who plays McLovin in Superbad. Um, Tony Collette plays the mother. Lots of, uh, lots of cool actors. I don't remember his name, but he plays, he was one of the Dr. Who's and he plays Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. Anyways, good actors, Tennant, somebody, Tennant, Robert Tennant, Jeffrey Tennant, somebody, anyways, um, 
this was a this was a good version. I did not like the original Fright Night. It had its moments. This was a fun romp. Your classic, you know, the kids know it's a vampire, but the adults won't believe them or whatever it is. Cool movie. It was fun start to finish. Had decent special effects. Had some some fun narratives and stuff like that. I um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I liked it. I saw it with Crystal in, in uh, I believe we saw it in the theaters when it first came out and, uh, and I watched it again the other day and it's still, still good. Still good. So I believe that was on, uh, also the stars section of, uh, Disney plus. So check out Fright Night. If you haven't seen it, it's a good, ho- it's, it's a horror, but it's not, it's not overly scary. It's more of a thriller than a horror, but, uh, everyone's good at it. Everyone's good in that movie. Um, I watched for the first time, the strangers. I fell asleep during it twice. I didn't find it moved forward particularly well. Everyone's like, Oh, it's one of the scariest movies. Didn't find that found it boring found. It was a lot of like, you know, shots where the, you know, your main characters in the foreground and you'll just see like a doorway in the background and someone come and stand in the doorway with a mask on their head, looking at them and then step back into the room before they turn around. And it's just like, all right, it's ominous, but it's not, it really, really wasn't scary. And then there's just kind of like, you know, and then there's just a bunch of like stabbings and stuff at the, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I didn't like it. Everyone's like, oh, it's so scary. And then they got a sequel. I don't know how it was good enough to get a sequel. Uh, Liv Tyler, Scott Speedman, if I'm not mistaken, were the two, I think Scott Speedman. Anyway, somebody who looks like him. Um, Generic pretty boy who's probably not done a lot since. Um, But yeah. So if you're somebody who's looking for a scary movie or whatever, maybe more timid, check out The Strangers. It was okay. It it gets a lot of attention, but not one that I found particularly, particularly good. Uh, two more that I watched, uh, before I, before I bid you a temporary adieu is, um, watched a movie called visions. And I thought this one was going to be good just based on the cast. It had, uh, it had Isla Fisher, uh, who was in wedding crashers and she was in now you see me, uh, both of them. Now you see me, now you see me too. It would have been funny. Wouldn't it have been a better sequel name if the first one was called Now You See Me and then the second one was called Now You Don't? That would have been, I, you would have thought, you, you would have thought, great marketing. Now You See Me, Now You Don't. But they didn't. Now You See Me Too. Stupid. Um. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the, the two, the only two actors that I can remember of note in that were, um, were, were Isla Fisher, who plays the lead. And, uh, Jillian Jacobs, I believe is her name. She was in the show love. Hey, how funny is that? The main character who I was going to say, uh, from, I love you, Beth Cooper, uh, the little nerdy dude, he was in a show love with Jillian Jacobs. So there you go. I saw something with Jillian Jacobs this week. I saw something with uh, nerdy McGee in it. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, I was, I was going to say something judgmental, but it doesn't, doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. It's not nice. It's not mean. I gotta say it now because now it's gonna seem like it was a prick thing. Is that that main character dude from Love? His his poor guy. Uh, his nose is so fucking big. He has got such a huge fucking nose. He even addresses this in the show Love. He's even like everyone thinks I'm Jewish, but I'm not. Just like I didn't think you were Jewish. I just thought you had a huge fucking nose. But he's got a. He's got a fucking honker on him, which is at times distracting. And I'm sorry that, like I said, it's judgmental, but it's not like, I don't know, whatever, whatever. I'm still a work in progress, guys. I'm still a work in progress. I'm doing what I can. Um, Visions is this uh, movie where Isla Fisher and her husband buy a vineyard and they start to work on it. 
And she's having all these visions of crazy things happening, you know, spooky and jump scares and yada, yada, yada. And then of course, like the twist at the end and you're like, oh, wow, it was, it was boring. I watched it and I was like, you know, like there'd be times where I was kind of into it, but a lot of just kind of like, yak, 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 not really a lot of things. It's, it's again, like some of these are almost, I want to say like starter suspense horror movies. You know what I mean? You're like, it seems like paranormal shit, but it ends up being exactly as the title would say, they're visions of things. And then, uh, before I say goodbye, I got a couple minutes left. I'll tell you guys about this one called countdown, which of all the ones that I watched shy of ones I'd seen before, like best movie of the week, fright night. I love you. Beth Cooper was entertaining. Um, but I watched this movie called countdown. Um, this one was on Amazon prime, I believe, uh, as was visions, um, Amazon prime. And it was a movie about, um, an app that you get. So a horror, an app that you get that you, you, you know, you download it and then this app just has a countdown on it and it tells you when you're going to die. So everyone's is different. You know, you're going to die here, there, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. And of course, when the countdown reaches zero, you die. And there's a couple scenes in it early on that sort of validate this and show the fear. And of course that movie is, is how do we, how do we stop this countdown or what do we do? And you know, all these different things that they try to do to stop it. And, and of course, there's like a, like a terms and conditions that they don't read and they click accept. And, you know, all of them, now that they know when they're going to die, they start to like, try to alter the course. Like, oh, this weekend I'm going on a train. Well, that's probably when I'm going to die. So I'm just going to cancel that trip. Right. Then they'll get like a little notification on their phone. Like, you know, user terms of service broken. And I think they use that because now all of a sudden they start seeing things and having visions of, of like, you know supernatural shit or whatever happening before they die, of course, right? Like long before they die. And it's like, that's their justification for, it's like, well, if it's, if it only kills them when it reaches zero, like, why is it showing up and scaring them in advance? It's like, well, it's, you know, you, you, you fucked with your, um, you know, your, your life course was supposed to go this direction and you altered it based on this knowledge and they address all that stuff, whatever. But that one's a fun one. That one's definitely spooky. Um, <laughs> like I screamed out loud a few times and, and woke up my, uh, my roommates. So that was, uh, that was a good one. Okay. So right before I jump off, I'm just going to tell you guys about, uh, a new segment idea. Okay. Um, there's a lot of shitty movies on, uh, <laughs> on these streaming services. You know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. All right. I'm going to, cause I see I got five minutes before my next one. I want to be able to stand up, stretch, change my shirt because this one's video. Um, so I will be back with, uh, with my, uh, my explanation of my new segment called the shittiest movie or, or whatever it is. So we'll, I'll explain to you guys that. And, uh, let's see if I can get you guys on board with it, but I'll be back shortly uh, through the magic of, of editing and the pause button. You will never even know that uh, I was gone. Oh, and the magic of the pause button, huh? Over an hour and a half later. And I'm back. What was I saying? Uh, shittiest movie, baby. Yeah. So that's what I called it. I I don't know what to call the segment, but I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that we can all come up with a name together. Right. I love your involvement onesies. Here's the thing. There's all sorts of different streaming services out there. And we all, I I mean, at least I find myself back. Like I I used to have a DVD collection that was like, God, I probably had like 2000 movies, box sets of TV shows. I'm staring. I, I had to custom build shelving. That was like the size of the entire wall that the TV was on where the shelves were just big enough to fit a DVD in like one inch clearance for your finger to like lift over top and pull it out. So I was looking at, you know, 
quite literally just a wall of options and going, there's nothing to watch. I had tons of movies I'd never even seen. Eh, there's nothing to watch. This was back when I was working at uh, Future Shop. I had the money to spend. Anyways, um, you can feel like that with the streaming services sometimes now. It's like, even though everything's right there and it's just click it and watch it, it's uh, you can feel like, oh, there's nothing to watch. But in the process of scrolling through all these things, sometimes you come across something that looks just absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. Like, oh, sh- Mecha Sharknado versus Godzilla's balls. or <laughs> That was stupid. Uh, whatever it might be. Right. You're like, what is this fucking movie? Like I remember one time Crystal and I were, were scrolling through the thing and we saw this movie called Wolf Cop, where it's like a cop who's a werewolf. But you know how like when you hover over it at the very top of the screen, there's like a banner image that'll show you like an image from the movie. And it showed the wolf, the werewolf naked. So he's not wearing the wolf uniform or anything like that. He's he's naked and it's like a red background. He's laying, laying, laying on like a velvet sheet like he was doing a boudoir shoot. So I can't imagine if I had to guess million dollars on the line, what, what is happening in this image? He's, he's in a boudoir shoot. That's what it looks like. Um, and we were looking and going, what the fuck? I have the picture on my phone. I took a screenshot of it going, that's fucking hilarious. What does that have to do with a werewolf cop where he's laying there doing a boudoir shoot? Why? And why would they pick that as the image that's supposed to help sell you on the idea of the movie? It just looks fucking stupid. We laughed our asses off. Never watched it. Um, there's shit like that clanging around on, on streaming services, right? You know, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like a comedy festival where they, you know, Hey, we want, we want, you know, they call the, uh, the agency. We want this guy. They're like, fine. But if you want him, you got to take like three of our shitty, shittier comics too, to give them the, the festival credit as well. Right. So we can sell them for more money. Other places out of politics, a showbiz. So my guess is that like, there's gotta be like, you know, production companies where it's like, you know, Hey, we'll, you know this amount of money and we'll give you licenses for all of these movies. And so they get some of the, the bad ones in there too, where you go like, wow, this one's, this one's featured on Netflix. Wow. Um, so what I'm offering is, um, you guys, when you're scrolling through this and you see something absolutely ridiculous, you don't have to watch it. And since the world seems to like make other people suffer, if you submit them to me, I will pick every week. I will pick one of the movies from the submissions of you guys and watch it and review it and tell you what it is. So you could, you could actively look for like the dumbest shit. Like now it's not like, you know, you guys can all send me a list of 10 if you want. I don't, I'm not going to watch 10 movies times. However many people are, are emailing in, but I will pick one every week and I'll try to make it fair. So if I have three people, you know, submit, I will try to, you know, watch one from each of you every week until, you know, and then I'll go back to whatever it is. I'm just, I'm saying I'll make it as fair as possible, but I will also, if you take the time, not just to like mention the name of the movie, but if you take the time to write like a little, a little write up of what it is, we might even, you know, I might even do like this week I'm watching this and then next week, you know, or we'll try to keep it ahead and I'll go, there's this, do these choice of three, here's the descriptions, which ones do you guys want me to watch? Like, I just think that subjecting me to watching the worst shit, uh, would be funny, you know? And then listening to me and my hot take on whatever the fuck it is. Um, can't do series too much time. I can't, I can't watch a shitty TV series or whatever it is. I just don't have time to watch the whole thing. So, um, that's, that's my suggestion for a new segment, the shittiest movie. Um, just know there will be mild limitations. Um, I have, I don't have shutter. Um, but fuck it. If this gets popular enough, I'll, I'll pay for other streaming services, but I've got prime. I've got Netflix. I've got crave, which gives me access to HBO max. I've got the, the Disney plus I've got the Tubi. 
I even have Apple TV plus, which I didn't, I didn't mention earlier. I have Apple TV plus. So if it's on there, but just, I just don't think that there's a lot of like Apple TV's content is not a ton of it. So I would imagine that they probably don't have anything that's just awful. It's we're we're probably scraping more of the, uh, stars, prime video, to be shutter, those kind of ones there, but fuck it. If you, I don't care if it's documentary, whatever, if it's, if it's feature length, I will watch it. Um, so that's, that's what we can do gang. Let me, uh, let me know if there's something that, uh, that you think is just going to, if you see it and it looks stupid, contact at one man podcast.com, throw it my way. And, uh, and then I will sort through these, uh, these things and I'll start, I'll start, I'll suffer them. I'll suffer them and fuck it. If I got nothing going on at all, I'll, I'll watch a few of them. But, uh, so far I, the name I've got is just the shittiest movie is, is what I've got named there. So just, uh, fuck B flicks, C flicks whatever. Just, just, uh, I, I don't know. It's fascinating to me. So let's, uh, that's that. That's the end of the yakety yak stuff. Oh, oh God. Everything hurts. The te- my tennis elbow hurts from trying to pull the cap off of my Sharpie. All right. Time for top five. Okay. Top five. So I'm going to start by reading an email from my buddy, Dylan. Uh, he sent in a top five from the YouTube videos, top five, right? Top five YouTube channels that I watch. This is what I got from him. Subject line. Okay, motherfucker. D's top five YouTube channels. Coming in at number five for Dylan is uh, Braille Skateboarding. B-R-A-I-L. Like the uh, the bumpy dots there. The old uh, nipple bumps. Braille Skateboarding. This guy makes and skateboards and wheels. What? This guy makes and skates boards and wheels that are set in six foot board. Glass wheels. You never know. I remember you were explaining it to me yesterday. And they were like, they just, people send him in stuff and he like takes it and makes skateboards out of it. Uh, <laughs> you are way more articulate than that wrote. <laughs> All right. Number four, man versus river old, old home dude. <laughs> old home dude is swimming with scuba gear in tourist hotspots or fast moving water to find lost valuables. He returns them. He returns them is possible. Oh God. <laughs> please proofread your emails. everybody. <laughs> I, I, it says old home dude. I'm, I'm wondering, is it an old homeless dude? Um, but an old, or just like old home dude. He's a home dude. He's an old, old homie. Uh, he returns them is if possible. Of course, that sounds interesting. Man versus river. Hey guys, if you want to know what really going on with these channels, just check out the channel itself. Uh, crime pays, but botany doesn't. Number three, uh, this Yankee with the heaviest Brooklyn accent travels the world and shows plant species. I like learning about plants and this asshole makes it entertaining. Yeah. You played a little clip for us and it was like, this guy just sound, he sounds like an idiot, but he does know his stuff. It's just funny to hear. It's like somebody with like a really deep South accent talking about like neuroscience. Just the, the information doesn't sound like it belongs coming out of this, the, the source. This one, you made me laugh and I'm going to check it out. Uh, number two, pasta grannies. Um, I highly advise everyone watch at least one pasta grannies is a channel that explores old world pasta cooking that will soon be lost. These women go to the oldest, most secluded places in film and translate the traditional pasta techniques while the guests are going through the process of how they have, uh, how they have to make a dish or how, how they make the dish. Uh, pretty cool to watch a 90 year old 
crank out. Oh, I was like, I thought you said 90 year old crank. It's like the end of the line crank or whatever. Yeah. 98 year old crank out some pasta, especially if you've made pasta by hand before. Yeah. It's quite the process. I tried to do that thing where you make the, the pile of flour and then the little well in the middle and then drop, you know, crack the eggs and drop it in and then mix it with your finger. Uh, I tried that and I made, I think I made a mess all over the counter. Like I couldn't seem to just keep it on the inside like they do, but I'll check that out. And then number one, Number one is Torch Talk. It's a glass blowing channel. It's not too great yet, but these people have skill that is borderline magic. I probably watch this the most because I have way more room to improve myself as an artist. In no way I could put out that level of work. Um, yeah, uh, D does glass blowing stuff. D, if you could send me some pictures um, of some of the stuff that you've made, I would love for any of the onesies to support my buddy Dylan. He's uh, he's in Texas. And, uh, he's a, sh- a chef. He's currently working, uh, you know, doing a, a cooking contract. Uh, I don't know. I hope cooking is ready, you know, but anyways, he's, uh, he's also like, he does glass blowing and he's shown me some of his work and it's just like kind of cool. And I hope this isn't disrespectful, like kind of like glass blowing trinkets, like he's been working on it. It's a, it's a hobby of his. So there's some really cool shit that he's made. And I know that he's even been making, like working on making my, my little J from the one man podcast, my Josh Williams logo, uh, into some glass. So that's super awesome. But if you could send me some, some pictures of some of your work, I would love to open that up to the onesies if they wanted to support and, and, you know, order some of the stuff that you've made, like little necklaces and stuff like that. Like definitely give me a better understanding. Cause I, I know you've shown me some of your work and I think it's super cool. Like I myself would love to pick some up. So, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely appreciate the top five. We got Braille skateboarding, man versus river crime pays, but botany doesn't pasta grannies and torch talk. Uh, thanks for the email and let's get on with mine this week. All right, mine. Oh, we got an email coming in. Oh, it's Expedia. Don't think that's happening anytime soon. Nighty night. Oh yeah. That's why I closed my laptop because I didn't want those sounds coming in. Okay. My top five for this week, guys, you ready? Are you fucking ready? This week's top five list is top five books I own, but I haven't read yet. That Obviously like, yeah, I guess that's enough. I was trying to word it because I'm like, I've got all these books. So here's the top five books that I own. Cause that's important, right? You can be like, oh, here's a bunch of books I want to read. Well, that's easy for everybody. You know, Hey, I want to go out and buy these books. Well, here's the thing. I've already bought these books. So there's no real excuse. It's not like money or anything. I've already got them. All right. So the point of this list is here's the top five books that I already own. I want to read, but I haven't read yet. All right. And I'm going to share them with you coming in at number five is 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson. Now that name is polarizing for some. I've heard the guy talk a little bit here and there. Um, I know he's very polarizing. I still haven't heard anything that he said that I find particularly, you know, out of reach. Like I think I'm very anti-censorship and I feel like he is too. Um, but I don't really know a whole hell of a lot about the guy. Uh, although I do know that this book got a lot of acclaim, 12 Rules for Life. I've had it on my shelf for some time now. The Costco sticker is still on it. Cover price. I'm going to just remind you guys how great it is to shop at Costco, okay? Um, the cover price of this book is $34.95. So $35 book. I got it at Costco for $18.99. So damn near half price. So this one uh, book is called 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. Um and I don't know much about him. So I figured what, uh, what better way to learn a little bit about the book than to just read you guys kind of the synopsis and, uh, and know what it is. So, uh, this one here, acclaimed clinical psychologist, Jordan Peterson, I believe he's in Toronto, uh, has become one of the world's most influential public thinkers first with his lectures on topics from the Bible to romantic relationships, to mythology, drawing tens of millions of viewers online, and now a major best-selling author in an era of unprecedented change and polarizing politics, his frank and refreshing message about the value of individual responsibility and ancient wisdom has resonated around the world. 
In this book, he provides 12 profound and practical principles for how to live a meaningful life, from setting your house in order before criticizing others to comparing yourself to who you were yesterday, not someone else today. Happiness is not the goal, he shows us. Instead, we must search for meaning, not for its own sake, but as a dif- uh, sorry, as a defense against the suffering that is always a part of our existence. Drawing on vivid examples from his clinical practice and personal life, cutting-edge psychology and philosophy, and lessons from humanity's oldest myths and stories, Dr. Peterson takes the reader on an intellectual journey like no other. Gripping, thought-provoking, and deeply rewarding, 12 Rules for Life offers an antidote to the chaos in our lives. Eternal truths applied to our modern problems. Hey! So, uh, that's on there, and I'm going to make it a point to read this one soon, but I know it's got a lot of acclaim. A lot of people say it's a great book and I, and I own it. So, uh, why not just stick my nose in it? He's actually released another one since, uh, you know, years later. And, uh, and I bought that one too. And it is also sitting on the shelf unread, but, uh, you know, everybody knows you don't start with the sequel, right? You start with the first one and then you move on to the sequel. So that was number five, 12 rules for life. Jordan Peterson, uh, moving on to number four, number four is a relationship book. And I don't remember had it for years. I started reading it as to say, like I was like reading the introduction or whatever. And, um, got past it. And I got, I picked up this book when things in my relationship were not going particularly well. Um, and I wanted to, of course, as always improve and be a better, better partner and everything like that. And, and, you know, sometimes it, it means recognizing that you don't have all the answers and that you should, you know, look, look for help, whether that's from a book or, or professionals, or whatever it is, this is a book from a professional. How about that? So the book's called hold me tight seven conversations for a lifetime of love by Dr. Sue Johnson, developer of a munch, emotionally focused couple therapy, the most successful approach to building loving relationships. So, uh, let's see where the fucking uh, write up is in this one here. I'll give it to you guys. Um, Oh, whoa. It looks like I'm gonna have to read both sides of the dust cover for this one here. Hey, Hey, um, should I read the back? How should I read this? The most successful approach to creating loving relationships endorsed by the American Psychological Association as scientifically proven is now for the first time available in a book. Whereas other forms of couple therapy have been shown in studies to be only about 35% effective in healing relationships, emotionally focused couple therapy developed by Dr. Sue Johnson was achieved, uh, sorry, has achieved an astounding 75% success rate. Fully 86% of couples report feeling happier in their relationships. Uh, and results are long lasting. Hold me tight. will pave the way towards a deeply fulfilling and enduring bond. So I, I pick this one because I'm like, you know, regardless of what relationship I end up in, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I want to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with uh, the best tools here. So here you go. Are you looking to enrich a healthy relationship, revitalize a tired one or rescue one gone awry? That's what I was looking to do at the time. Uh, we all want a lifetime of love, support, and companionship, but sometimes we need a little help. Enter Dr. Sue Johnson, developer of emotionally focused couple therapy and the best couple therapist in the world, in quotes. Uh, according to best-selling relationship expert, Dr. John Gottman, in Hold Me Tight, Dr. Johnson shares her groundbreaking and remarkably successful uh, program for creating stronger, more uh, secure relationships. Sorry, there was a hair on the page and it was small. <laughs> And like a slash, it was like successful slash program. What? Uh, <laughs> this is where the, the hesitation was there. Uh, 
the message of hold me type it type the message of hold me tight is simple. Forget about learning how to argue better, analyzing your early childhood, making grand romantic gestures or experimenting with new sexual positions. Instead, get to the emotional underpinnings of your relationship by recognizing that you are emotionally attached to and dependent on your partner in much the same way that a child is on a parent for nurturing, soothing, and protection. Dr. Johnson teaches that the way to enhance or save a relationship is to be open, attuned, and responsive to each other and to reestablish emotional connection. With this in mind, she focuses on key moments in a relationship from recognizing the demon dialogues to forgiving injuries and uses them as touch points for seven healing conversations. These conversations give you insight into the defining moments in your relationship and guide you in reshaping these moments to create a secure and lasting bond. Through stories from Dr. Johnson's practice, illuminating advice and practical exercises, you will learn how to nurture, protect, and grow your relationship, ensuring a lifetime of love. Anyways, yeah, uh, Hold Me Tight book she put out uh, probably, you know, early in the last decade, uh, you know, mid, mid 2000 teens or whatever. Um, but I've had it for some time. Uh, I've wanted to read it. It's one of those things where I'm like, this book might save us. And I was... I think, uh, hesitant to read it because it was like, Oh God, I would hate to read it. And it doesn't. Um, but the relationship ended, uh, before I read it and who knows, who knows what it might've done. So I'm going to read it this time. Make sure that, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, fail not to say a book's going to save your relationship or whatever, but Hey, like, I mean, if what you're trying isn't working, why not try something different? Right. That's the, uh, this thing here. So another book I got another one with the, uh, the Costco sticker still right on the front. All right, cover price, huh? Huh? Twenty two dollars Canadian. What did I pay? Eleven ninety nine. Thank you, Costco. This is the twenty fifth anniversary edition I hold in my hands. I've probably had it for like three, four years. So, book's probably about thirty years old. Uh, written by Stephen R. Covey. Any guesses? Any any guesses, readers? The big one: the seven habits, seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, powerful lessons in personal change. How effective are you? Take the new PEQ. Uh, what? Take the new PEQ and find out. Well, I don't know about that. You don't even tell me where to take it. Huh? There's no website there. Okay. A timeless bestseller, they say. Where's the, uh, this one's here, paperback. This one's a paperback. I don't have my, uh, where's my fucking, uh, right up to the back, that one paragraph? One of the most inspiring and impactful books ever written, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, has captivated readers for 25 years. It has transformed the lives of presidents and CEOs, educators, and parents. In short, millions of people of all ages and occupations. I'll be honest with you, I would have put um, I would have put uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People on this list had I not already like listened to the audiobook several times. That is a great fucking book, by the way, if you're looking for just better things. Um, the How to Win Friends and Influence by Dale Carnegie, uh, still one of the best books in just human interaction and networking and communication, whatever. Great friggin' book. Um, and then number two, uh, number two, I have listened to this guy talk before, and there's a reason that his book is still one of the most popular books on relationships and, and interactions. Obviously, you know what? Being a being a, a single guy, and you know, like being like most people wanting love in their life or whatever, you want to be, you want to make sure that you you get into a, a relationship, and uh, you know, and that you're a, a positive contributor. You know, why get into a relationship and be like, well, everything's got to be my way, right? We'll we'll have a good relationship when you do everything that I want. That seems fair to the other person, right? So in case you're just wondering, like, Josh, why do you have two relationship books on here? Because I, you know, I recognize that, that relationships are not easy guys. Um, 
Leo Bascalia, an artist educator, said that love is the love is something that we all seem to want. I mean, again, condom percentages, right? Ninety nine point nine percent of people, love is something that we all want, and it's like the one thing that nobody teaches us how to do. There isn't a course for it in school. Your parents don't sit you down and go, "Hey, we're going to teach you how to love somebody today. How to, how to properly show and effectively communicate love." Nobody teaches you how to do it yet. It's the it's the one thing that we all seem to think that we're just going to get into a relationship and excel at, right? Because movies, ah, oh, they fall in love. They have a huge problem, but the, then the guy just gets down and says, "Look, I love you, and you're the one for me." And they're like, "Oh my god, I love you too!" And then it's all happy. Like it's it's crazy to think that you're going to excel at one of you know, compromising and communication is very important and it's, it's not always easy to do, right? It takes people to years to learn how to, to, to communicate and network properly and stuff like that. So to think you're just going to find the love of your life and be able to communicate all of the positive and dark things with yourself and then just, you know, excel at it. And then when they don't get it, it's like, you're supposed to, you love me. You're supposed to love me. This isn't supposed to be like this. Anyways, the, the point I'm getting at is that we can use help. And there's been a lot of people who've devoted their entire lives uh, to, to creating resources that can help us and can make us better partners and, and communicators. And one of such people is Dr. John Gray, um, might be enough for some of you to know who I'm talking about right away, but others may not. Um, I listened to, uh, I have not read his book. I've read the first chapter or so, and then I, I put it down like I did many books. And now that I'm at a point in my life where I'm picking up a book and I'm sticking with it until I'm finished, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to go back to this. It's number two on my list. Um, I listened to him talk for two hours. The guy was incredible. Uh, the, the, the insights and the things that he had, his level of empathy, um, is, uh, like I said, Dr. John Gray, he's got a book that's probably still to this day, the best book on relationships and communications. And, uh, you know, feel free to roll your eyes at me if you want, but if you, if you read, you know, if you listen to the guy and you, you've heard what his teachings are, they're incredible. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Um, great book. Can't wait to, to actually finish it this time. He talked a lot about what was in the book in this talk and, and I heard, but it was just, it was incredible. And it, it's, it's a lot of it. It's just that like whole, it makes sense thing. Um, but one of the things Dr. John Gray was saying was that he thinks, you know, he said when I, my book first came out and it's like, Hey, men are from Mars, women from Venus. Like he's like, a lot of people understood that to be like, Oh men and women are different and we're never going to get along. He's like, and that's not the point that I was trying to make. He's like, the point that I was trying to make was that men and women are, are inherently different. Now in today's society might be like, well, men are not all the same. Women are all the same. It's not so much. That is that just from, from a psychological standpoint, there seems to be a masculine and feminine archetype in every relationship. Um, at least predominantly majoritively, if that's a word. Um, so what he's saying is that even you see it, even in, in gay and lesbian relationships, where, you know, even though it's the same sex, uh, one, one personality type seems to be more on the feminine side. One seems to be more on the masculine side. And that's just the, the sort of dynamics. He goes, even in a heterosexual relationship where, you know, even if it's male and female, it could be that the male has a feminine archetype and, a, and the female has a male archetype. It just seems to be that those type of connections exist predominantly. And then how do those archetypes function in relationships? Um, great book. Great book uh, that I haven't read yet. That's that's still to this day one of the most popular. You Google relationship books. The Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus book is still going to come up. And uh, and what he said is that my point is not that men and women are different and they're never going to get along. Is that it's that if you recognize that you both operate differently, you're not in the same thing rather than trying to say, Hey, you should be more like me. No, you should be more like me. When you understand how the other person operates, it's easier for you to, to work with and understand and empathize and communicate and compromise. Um, 
everything I've read about everything I read in the book so far. Great. Everything I heard the guy said made a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah. And you know what? You can laugh all you want. I don't care. You can laugh at me. I, I, uh, I can't wait to read it. And I, I got a lot of value, uh, from it, a lot of value from it. So, and coming in at number one, uh, number one is a book that I have started to read many times. It's probably, I could read it in, in, in the entire thing in an afternoon. I've just, I haven't, um, which is just so funny, but based on the nature of the book, the book is called the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. It is not the art of war by Sun Tzu or, or whatever it is. It is the, the war of art break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. This book I liked a lot. Um, because it, it's even starting to read it, it, it personifies procrastination instead of just being like this procrastination as this force that, that kind of comes at you. Um, you know, and you're just like, Oh, like I just, Oh, I feel like I want to procrastinate. It actually kind of personifies this and, um, and gives you something to work with. So the book book is not too terribly long. Like I said, you could probably read it in an afternoon, but what I want to share with you guys, I found the, um, I found like the, the the, the, the forward and everything like that in this, um, what is it? I'm trying to see here. Just looking in the book. Is this the one what I do? Yeah. So I'm going to read to you. Um, I'm going to read to you the forward. It's all, they're only like, only a couple pages each, but the, the first part of this book I find so inspiring, um, that, that I've, I've just, it's, it, I don't know. It hit me hard for anyone creative. And the idea is that like, you'll hear from, from what's in here that, uh, it really kind of, if you've got any kind of creative endeavor, everything you've ever wanted to do, this just sort of helps put it, I guess, a little bit into perspective. So if you, if you don't mind onesies indulging me, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read the forward and just like, he's got a little section. It's called forward. It's called the unlived life. What I do. Uh, yeah. And then, 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 then it gets into the book. I won't read that, but it, you know, it's, this is a little bit of content for you here. <laughs> now we're in 35 minutes. All right. Forward by Robert McKee. Stephen Pressfield wrote the war of art for me. He undoubtedly wrote it for you too, but I know he did it expressly for me because I hold Olympic records for procrastination. I can procrastinate thinking about my procrastination problem. I can procrastinate dealing with my problem of procrastinating, thinking about my procrastination problem. So Pressfield, that devil asked me to write this forward against a deadline, knowing that no matter how much I stalled, eventually I'd have to knuckle down and do the work at the last possible hour I did. And I, and as I leafed through book one, defining the enemy, I saw myself staring back guiltily from every page. But then book two gave me a battle plan, book three, a vision of victory. And as I closed the war of art, I felt a surge of positive calm. I now know I can win this war. And if I can, so can you. To begin book one, Pressfield labels the enemy of creativity resistance, his all-encompassing term for what Freud called the death wish, that destructive force inside human nature that rises whenever we consider a tough long-term course of action that might do for us or others, something that's actually good. He then presents a rogues gallery of the many manifestations of resistance. You will recognize each and every one for this force lives within us all self-sabotage, self-deception, self-corruption. We writers know it as block a paralysis whose symptoms can bring us, uh, sorry, can bring on appalling behavior. Some years ago I was blocked as a Calcutta, sorry, I was as blocked as a Calcutta sewer. So what did I do? I decided to try on all my clothes to show just how anal I can get. I put on every shirt, pair of pants, sweater, jacket, and sock, sorting them into piles, spring, summer, fall, winter, salvation army. 
Then I tried them on all over again, this time parsing them into spring casual, spring formal, summer casual. Two days of this, and I thought I was going mad. Want to know how to cure writer's block? It's not a trip to your psychiatrist. For as Pressfields wisely points out, seeking support is resistance at its most seductive. No, the cure is found in book two, Turning Pro. Stephen Pressfield is the very definition of a pro. I know this because I can't count the times I called the author of The Legend of Bagger Vance to invite him for a round of golf, and although tempted, he declined. Why? Because he was working, and as any writer who has ever taken a backswing knows, golf is a beautifully virulent form of procrastination. In other words, resistance. Steve packs a discipline forged of, uh, yeah, Steve packs a discipline forged of Bethlehem steel. I read Steve's Gates of Fire and Tides of War back to back while traveling in Europe. Now I'm not, sorry, I don't know this word. Now I'm not a lacrimose guy. I hadn't cried over a book since The Red Pony, but these novels got to me. I found myself sitting in cafes, choking back tears over the selfless courage of those Greeks uh, who shaped and saved Western civilization. As I looked beneath his seamless prose and sensed his depth of research, of knowledge of human nature and society, of vividly imagined telling details, I was in awe of the work, the work, all the work that built the foundation of his riveting creations. And I'm not alone in this appreciation. When I bought the books in London, I was told that Steve's novels are now assigned by Oxford history dons who will tell their students that if they wish to rub shoulders with life in classical Greece, read Pressfield. How does an artist achieve that power? In the second book, Pressfield lays out the day-by-day, step-by-step campaign of the professional. Preparation, order, patience, endurance, uh, sorry, acting in the face of fear and failure, no excuses, no bullshit. And best of all, Steve's brilliant insight that first, last, and always the professional focus on mastery of the craft. Book three, The Higher Realm, looks at inspiration, the sublime result that blossoms in the furrows of the professional who straps on the harness and plows the fields of his or her art. In Pressfield's words, when we sit down each day and do our work, power concentrates around us. We become like a magnetized rod that attracts iron fillings, filings, sorry. Um, ideas come, insights accrete. On this, the effect of inspiration, Steve and I absolutely agree. Indeed, stunning images and ideas arrive as if from nowhere. In fact, these seemingly spontaneous flashes are so amazing, it's hard to believe that our unworthy selves created them. From where, from where, therefore, does our best stuff come? It's on this point, however, the cause of inspiration that we see things differently. In book one, Steve traces, yeah, traces resistance down its evolutionary roots to the, to the genes. I agree. The cause is genetic. The negative force, that dark antagonism to creativity is embedded deep in our humanity. But in book three, he shifts gears and looks for the cause of inspiration, not in humane nature, but on a higher realm. Then with a poetic fire, he lays out his belief in muses and angles. Angels, angles, angels, fuck's sakes. His belief in muses and angels. I could never tell. I only look at a Stephen King book where it was like Angle Street and they were saying they were trying to spell angels, but it ended up being Angle. Angels. The ultimate source of creativity, he argues, is divine. Many, perhaps most readers will find book three profoundly moving. I, on the other hand, believe that the source of creativity is found on the same plane of reality as resistance. It too is genetic. It's called talent, the innate power to discover the hidden connection between two things, images, ideas, words that no one else has ever seen before, link them and create for the world a third utterly unique work. 
Like our IQ, talent is a gift from our ancestors. If we're lucky, we inherit it. If the fortunate, talented few, the dark dimension of their natures will first resist the labor that creativity demands. But once they commit to the task, their talented side stirs to action and rewards them with astonishing feats. These flashes of creative genius seem to arrive from out of the blue for the obvious reason. They come from the unconscious mind. In short, if the muse exists, she does not whisper to the untalented. So although Steve and I may differ on the cause, we agree on the effect. When inspiration touches talent, she gives birth to truth and beauty. And when Stephen Pressfield was writing The War of Art, she had her hands all over him. So The War of Art. Okay, so I'm going to read you guys the section. That was the foreword by some other dude. I suppose I could have skipped that, but it's been a while since I've read this. And I, I thought everything from before book one was important. So here we go. This is what Stephen Pressfield writes in the section called What I Do. I get up, take a shower, have breakfast. I read the paper, or I read the paper, depending on how you read that word, it's spelled the same way. I read the paper, brush my teeth. If I have phone calls to make, I make them. I've got my coffee now. I put on my lucky work boots and stitch up the lucky laces that my niece Meredith gave me. I head back to my office, crank up the computer. My lucky hooded sweatshirt is draped over the chair with the lucky charm I got from a gypsy in St. Mare de la Mer for only eight bucks and francs and my lucky Largo name tag that came from a dream I had once. I put it on. On my thesaurus is my lucky cannon from my friend Bob Versandi, uh, who gave me from Moro Castle, Cuba. I point it towards my chair so it can fire inspiration into me. I say my prayer, which is the invocative of the muse from Homer's Odyssey, translated by T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, which my dear mate Paul Rink gave me, and which sits near my shelf with the cufflinks that belong to my father and my lucky acorn from the battlefield of Thermopylae. It's about 10.30 now. I sit down and plunge in. When I start making typos, I know I'm getting tired. That's four hours or so. I've hit the point of diminishing returns. I wrap for the day. Copy whatever I've done to disc and stash the disc in the glove compartment of my truck in case there's a fire and I have to run for it. I power down. It's 3, 3.30. The office is closed. How many pages have I produced? I don't care. Are they any good? I don't even think about it. All that matters is I've put in my time and hit it with all I've got. All that counts is that for this day, for this session, I have overcome resistance. What I know. There's a secret that real writers know that wannabe writers don't. And the secret is this. It's not the writing part that's hard. What's hard is sitting down to write. What keeps us from sitting down to write is resistance. The unlived life. Most of us have two lives. The life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Have you ever bought, brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Ever quit a diet, a course of yoga, or meditation practice? Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark upon a spiritual practice, dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling, commit your life to the service of others? Have you ever wanted to be a mother, a doctor, an advocate for the weak and helpless, to run for office, crusade for the planet, campaign for world peace, or to preserve the environment? Late at night, have you ever experienced a vision of the person you might become, the work you could accomplish, the realized being you were meant to be? Are you a writer who doesn't write, a painter who doesn't paint, an entrepreneur who never starts a venture? Then you know what resistance is. A little poem here or, or lyrics. One night I was laying down. I heard Papa talking to Mama. I heard Papa say to let that boy boogie woogie because it's in him and it's got to come out from John Lee Hooker's Boogie Chillin'. Resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. 
It is the root of more unhappiness than poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. To yield to resistance deforms our spirit. It stunts us and makes us less than we were born to be. If you believe in God, and I do, you must declare resistance evil. By the way, that was him in parentheses, not me. (laughs) And I do. You must declare resistance evil. For it prevents us from achieving the life God intended when he endowed us Uh, when he doubt each of us with our own unique genius, genius is a Latin word. The Romans used it to denote an inner spirit, holy and invaluable, which watches over us, guiding us to our calling. A writer writes with his genius and artist paints with hers. Everyone who creates operates from this sacramental center. It is our soul's seat, the vessel that holds our being in potential, our stars beacon and Polaris. Every sun casts a shadow and genius's shadow is resistance. As powerful as our soul's call to realization, so potent are the forces of resistance arraying against it. Resistance is faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, harder to kick than crack cocaine. We're not alone if we've ever been, sorry, we're not alone if we've been mowed down by resistance. Millions of good men and women have bitten the dust before us. And here's the biggest bitch. We don't even know what hit us. I never did. From age 24 to 32, resistance kicked my ass from East Coast to West and back again 13 times, and I never even knew it existed. I looked everywhere for the enemy and failed to see it right in front of my face. Have you heard this story? Woman learns she has cancer, six months to live. Within days, she quits her job, resumes the dream of writing Tex-Mex songs she gave up to raise a family, or starts studying classical Greek, or moves to the inner city and devotes herself to tending babies with AIDS. Woman's friends think she's crazy. She herself has never been happier. And there's a postscript. Woman's cancer goes into remission. Is that what it takes? Do we have to stare death in the face to make us stand up and confront resistance? Does resistance have to cripple and disfigure our lives before we wake up to its existence? How many of us have become drunks and drug addicts, developed tumors and neuroses, succumbed to painkillers, gossip, and compulsive cell phone use simply because we don't do that thing that our hearts, our inner genius is calling us to? Resistance defeats us. If tomorrow morning, by some stroke of magic, every dazed and benign soul woke up with the power to take the first step towards pursuing his or her dreams, every shrink in the directory would be out of business. Prisons would stand empty, the alcohol and tobacco industries would collapse, along with the junk food, cosmetic surgery, and infotainment businesses, not to mention pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, and the medical profession from top to bottom. Domestic abuse would become extinct, as would addiction, obesity, migraine headaches, road rage, and dandruff. (laughs) Look in your own heart. Unless I'm crazy, right now a still small voice is piping up, telling you as it has a 10,000 times the calling that is yours and yours alone. You know it. No one has to tell you. And unless I'm crazy, you're no closer to taking action on it than you were yesterday or will be tomorrow. You think resistance isn't real? Resistance will bury you. You know, Hitler wanted to be an artist. At 18, he took his inheritance, 700 Kronen, and moved to Vienna to live and study. He applied to the Academy of Fine Arts and later to the School of Architecture. Ever seen one of his paintings? Neither have I. Resistance beat him. Call it an overstatement, but I'll say it anyway. It was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to face a blank square of canvas. And that's the, uh, that's the opening section of The War of Art. Um, I've, read, I've read further into it. Um, but I, I never finished it and it's, uh, it's a big one. It's a big one to, you know, cause inspiration and to, to, to give you a boot in the ass to, to get going on stuff that you're, that you're working on. So, uh, that's my list gang. Top five books I own that I want to read that I haven't. 
So 12 rules for life. Number five, hold me tight. Number four, seven habits of highly effective people. Number three, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Number two, and a number one has been for years, the war of art. I have owned this book three times and given it away, not given it away this time. This time I'm reading it. When I'm done reading it, I will share it with anyone who needs the the inspiration, but that's it. Next week's top five guys next week. You ready? I got it ready this time. Next week's top five is my guilty pleasure musicians or bands. Right. So what are some music? I'll give you an example. This is not one of mine, but, but you know, something like, you know, a lot of people just basically something that you listen to that, you know, you, you wouldn't brag about, you know, some people would, would say, Oh, I listen to Nickelback. That's a guilty pleasure. Right. That's an example. Mine, mine Nickelback will not make my list. I've listened to Nickelback and I'm not ashamed of it, but, but there's some things on my list where I'd be like, yeah, I listen to it and I, and I fucking jam out to it. So, uh, send me yours contact at one man podcast.com. Uh, and I'll read them next week along with mine. So guilty pleasure musicians or bands, you top five or send me top five suggestions for the future. Send me your top fives on something else. You got a big stack of books in your house that you've yet to read. It's like tools, right? You can buy a tool, but you got to use the tool, right? So what are, what are your top five, you know, books you own, you haven't read or, or guilty pleasure songs or anything that you can think of one more time, contact at one man podcast.com guys, send me anything. You know the deal. I'll read it on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry the episode was a little late this week. If you're someone tuning in for the first time and you're going back to episodes, well, it's not even late for you. It's just sitting here ready for you when you're ready. Uh, Friday episode with JF Gerard that I just did uh, yesterday, the interview for. That's a fun conversation. Um, and aside from that, I'm outie, guys. Sorry, I thought it would be like, you know, I thought I wouldn't have enough to fill an hour. And as, as usual, I talked for, for two hours. So I uh, hope you have a great week. Don't work too hard. Take good care of yourselves. And, uh, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. If you haven't got problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one.
about a bitch ain't one. 